This morning, I want to read to you, continuing in the Gospel of John. Uh, John had a particular way of writing about the teachings of Jesus uh, when he taught the Pharisees and when he taught his disciples. This morning, I'm going to be reading from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John. And I invite you to listen. Um, for Jesus' uh, instructions or teachings about love, um, especially this morning, I want you to listen not how Jesus might ask us to remember how to love or how Jesus encourages us how to love or how Jesus teaches us how to love, but instead what it is that Jesus means when he commands us to love. John chapter 13, beginning at the 31st verse. When he had gone out, Jesus said, The Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I have told the Jews, so I tell you, where I'm going, you cannot go. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I find it so interesting that this Savior of ours, Jesus with his disciples, who showed and taught and encouraged and called us to remember how to love, would turn around and command us to love. You see, he lived in a time where the religious people had lots of commandments and lots of laws, and Jesus broke all those laws all the time, and then here he turns around and commands his disciples to love. It seems that loving is something that we have to explore. If you remember last week, uh, we... We lifted up names. I invited the congregation, and we had a couple of show-offs who knew their grandmother's names and their great-great-grandmother's names and their great-great-great-grandmother's names. And we would speak those names in remembering how to love so that we would also know what it would be like uh, to love and be loved as Jesus described it. Uh, last week, if you remember, we talked about how Jesus identifies us, and we know his voice, and he calls us by name. And he says, you, there, that one, you belong to me. And what does it feel like to be loved and, and to be claimed by Christ? This week, the text invites us to explore a further characteristic of the love of God in Christ. And this is the love which Jesus refers to as the glory uh, before he commands us to love, he says, God, you have glorified me and, you, and I have glorified you and they will be the glory that is the love of God in this world. This idea that somehow the way that we behave as followers of Jesus is the glory of God. Um, but somehow the, the love of God in Christ Jesus does not come to us easily or naturally. 
The nature of Christ's love is not in terms of intimacy, like knowing each other's names or knowing all about one another, or even in terms of belonging. Well, you belong to me and that one belongs to me like we do when we belong to clubs or sports teams. There's a characteristic of love that I believe Jesus' commandment calls us to explore that is not comfortable for us, especially as North American Christians who threw off uh, royalty and kings long time ago. And this is the idea of a commandment. To be commanded to love. Love that is a characteristic of not how you feel, but a characteristic of loyalty or obedience or submission, not words that Americans like. This passage where Jesus makes a, a peculiar statement, I command you to love. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. I think it's interesting that, that Jesus descends into commanding us right after one of his disciples betrayed him. You see, this commandment to love happened right after Judas walked out the door. And there's the other disciples. These are, these are his 12 disciples, the ones who love him the most. They are the church. And it's suddenly revealed that one among them, the beloved, the brethren, the ecclesia, the church, has just betrayed Jesus. And Jesus' response is to look at the rest of the church and say, this is my commandment that you love one another. See, apparently this passage reveals an aspect of the love of God in Jesus Christ that is a little bit beyond us. I believe that Jesus is trying to teach us that Christian love is not like other forms of love that we are familiar with or even capable of as human beings or even that we can experience or write a book about or write a poem about or write a screenplay about or write a song about. It's a deeper love. Christian love is not like motherly love or fatherly love. It's not like marital love or romantic love. It's not like the love between a brother and a sister and siblings. It's, it's not like the love of country or the love of a place or the old hometown. There's something unusual about this kind of love that Jesus gave us. So unusual that he couldn't just remind us about it and he couldn't just suggest it to us and he couldn't just teach us about it. He had to command us. So how's it feel, church, to be commanded? See, John Wesley was of the opinion that this type of love was impossible for human beings outside of the grace of God. Christian love is impossible outside of faith. The kind of love Jesus is describing is not for you, Unless you have received it by faith, you're not capable of it. Unless the Holy Spirit enters your heart and your life and your thoughts and your soul and the grace of God and Jesus Christ has redeemed and transformed you, you can't do it. It comes to you in faith. It's peculiar to the church. 
So peculiar that early historians and writers, when they were watching this new Christian religion develop, they, they wrote in their commentaries, see how they love one another, especially the weakest among them. You see, that's not how the world works, and it was very peculiar to the world. See how these, these Christians, they love one another, having all things in common. It was remarkable to the world, and it's as if Jesus knew that human love is fickle. It's fragile. And so he gave us what we needed to live out this incarnational love that came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. He gave us what we needed to be the church of Jesus Christ, to be the body of Christ, the incarnation of Christ in the world today to be the church after his death and resurrection where we, he went, we cannot go. But he says, I will come again, Jesus said. I will come again in glory. Now, if you want to read Revelation, you can hear about all the second coming of Jesus. And if you hear preachers, they'll tell you, it's going to be something, church. He will come in his glory in the clouds and there will be nothing left ever that is the same for Jesus, the love of God, will consume all and all and it will be the glory of God coming in the skies. But until that day, okay, the glory day, you are the glory of God, the church of Jesus Christ. You are the glory of God in the way you love one another. You are remarkable and strange to the world in the way that you embody this love that fills you and consumes you, and the Holy Spirit of God is present in the gathered body of the church. It is the glory that Jesus talks about just before he commands us to love. Now last week, uh, we called out names of our mothers to demonstrate a kind of love that, that we're very familiar with in the church, that intimacy love, to call out one another's names. And we have name tags. And, and that is a beautiful, beautiful way that human beings express love. But that's not the kind of love that I believe Jesus is calling from the church. This Christian love that he commanded us to do. The glory of Christ in the church. It's a love that is like a dog's love. Did you know that dog spelled backwards is God? It is. Alex uh, stole my line. But the glory of Christ in the church is exemplified through this behavior of, of connectedness, of loyalty, of of, of fidelity, of unity in the body of Christ, the church. Now, I don't know if you ever had a dog. My first dog's name was Bobby. Okay, and I, didn't, I, was, I was probably three years old, and I didn't really know Bobby, but that was my first reaction to a dog, and you saw how the kids reacted to dogs, and if you have, anybody, raise your hand if you've got a dog, all right, okay, raise your hand if you ever loved a dog, right? So you love these dogs. Well, these are two dogs. Their names are Bobby. That's how I got on them. I found them on the Google. Um, so there's my Bobby that I knew when I was three years old and loved, loved Bobby. 
Uh, but there's Bobby of Scotland, he's over there on the right, and Bobby of Oregon on the left. Bobby of Scotland uh, belonged to a man named John Gray who was a night watchman, and the dog would accompany him every night on his rounds. And when John Gray died, Bobby continued the rounds of his master, and he slept on the grave of his master for 14 years. Why do dogs do that? How do dogs do that? Bobby of Oregon belonged to a family in Oregon, and they went on a vacation. They drove to Indiana in the car. Somehow Bobby got separated, and they had to head back, so they went back to Oregon without Bobby. Sixteen months later, Bobby shows up in Oregon, crossed the Rocky Mountains. How does that happen? Just, I want you to imagine Bobby for 16 months. Where was he? What was he doing? How did he do that? See how they love. And this is the way the early historians and uh, politicians of the early days of the early church looked at you Christians. Look at that. How do you do that? Because we were commanded to. Because we don't always feel like it. It's not always easy. It's not an encouragement, it's not a reminder, it's not a teaching. It is a commandment to love one another in the way that God loves this world, in the way that Christ gave himself for it. It is the glory of God. He commanded us to do this because we can't do it otherwise. Have you ever seen how hard it is for a dog to stay? You ever seen that look? A dog with everything they want, they want to be with you. They want to go where you are going. And there's this quality in a dog that they will. I mean, anybody trained a dog to stay, right? And you have to say, stay. And then they come, no, no, stay, stay, stay. And somehow they find it in themselves to let you walk out the room. And you say, come, Are we capable of that, church? Is that really within our human capacity to love like that? Can you love one another like that, church? For me, what that looks like is a very interesting and peculiar thing about the church of Jesus Christ through the centuries. The answer is yes, we can. And you know how I believe that? Because we're still here today. The church of Jesus Christ is still here today, gathering for worship. For over 2,000 years, God's people have been gathered and drawn into the spirit and the presence of the love of God despite our taste in music, despite our different political views, our socioeconomic standing, our race, our culture, our language. Despite our beliefs on what we believe is important in church, in worship, in where we send our resources, and how the body of the church behaves. See, I believe the answer is, yes, we can love that way with the grace of God and Jesus Christ as our helper. The church is still here. 
we are still striving to love each other and we are still opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit of God to fill us and transform us and enable to do this thing that is not easy. It's hard to stay together and to love each other when the world is constantly changing and challenging the customs and doctrines and traditions of the church, but it's been happening for centuries. This is nothing new for the church. And the church continues to love one another, to do the thing that is difficult to do, because, not because we feel like it or not because we agree with it, because Jesus commanded us to do it. And he said, it is the glory of God when the church intra-ecclesial love is expressed in this world. See, I don't believe there would be a church today if it were not for this commandment. If it were truly up to us, Brilliant as you are, capable as you are, if it were truly up to us, there would be no church. But there is this commandment to love, to be filled with something that we are incapable of. One of my uh, favorite things is group dynamics and doing group building exercise. I spent years and years of my life leading ropes courses and summer camps and small groups. And, and, and I love the interplay of a, of a group and, the, and its capacity to accomplish things. Um, it, it, we used to live in a world where everything was kind of top down. There was the king and then the king just, or the queen, and she just told, the royalty just told us what to do, right? Um, but, but there has been this democratization where the best and most efficient power in the world is not generated top-down, but instead it grows up from the bottom. The psychologist Renis Leike uh, was the champion of this idea. You've probably all done it in your workplace or at church or at summer camp where you ever filled out a form and say, do you strongly agree, agree, don't agree, disagree, you know, and you get, you kind of take the temperature of the room and, 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 and you open yourselves up to this idea that as a body, you are stronger than any one individual. He wrote, it's the single greatest characteristic of a group's achievement is the way they love one another their loyalty to one another, their unwillingness to let go of one another. And many of you have probably been in uh, management uh, skills or team building exercises that are based on his work. Based on the idea that it is our collective willingness to submit to one another that makes us strong. Now, we live in a time where the church doesn't agree with one another. Uh, the United Methodist Church, it's said, is facing some kind of schism because its congregants and its people and its preachers are not in one accord with one another. But what I would tell you about this passage and this commandment to love is it is not about whether or not we are willing to be with one another in agreement, it's whether or not we're willing to be with one another in disagreements. The worst fights I ever had in my life were with my brothers and sisters and my parents and the people who can't walk away from me. You know why you can fight that way? Because they, they can't walk away from you. 
My brothers are always going to be my brothers. My sister's going to be my sister. And that's why you can fight with them that way. So I'd put before you what it means to be the church is not to be in unanimity. It is to be in unity. An unwillingness to walk away because we've been commanded to be brothers and sisters, to be parents and children, to be the church. Thanks be to God that we were commanded to love. Amen.